Ah, beloved, I'm Pastor Trey, and you're now listening to the New Living Translation. This is Bonafide Bible Talk, because God speaks my language too, and I'm sure enough about to act like it. Let's go. When I come back like Jordan wearing the 4-5, whew, I missed y'all. Feels good to do another one of these. We back at the translation, baby. I needed that break uh, for a couple of reasons, but I don't like being away from y'all. But here are three black men every now and then we gotta take some time to regroup. And if y'all had heard, I had a book to write. Good news is we good and regroup now. And also, I turned that manuscript in. I said I was gonna write a book, then I wrote a book. So in 2024, Theologizing Bigger coming right at you. But let's get back to business here. In this season of the New Living Translation, we've been focusing on love as an act of liberation. Because God is still love, liberation is still our portion. We're going to hop right back on that train. When I was working on writing that manuscript to submit for my book one of the hardest things for me was the expectations i felt i had to fulfill i don't know how many of those expectations were things i'd actually agreed to or things that i just intuited from others that they expected of me in this process eventually i had to get past those expectations and just do what was true to me That was the only fair expectation. The only expectation I'd agreed to was to be me. And I realized that a lot of the troubles that we face are because of expectations. Expectations that we didn't necessarily agree to. Expectations that we live a life that we were never meant to live. And so today I wanna go into a Bible passage that I feel addresses misplaced expectations i think liberation requires that we correct those expectations that we redirect those expectations that we redefine them because when we understand what we're supposed to expect of ourselves of our communities when we break free of the misplaced or incorrect expectations we get to experience the fullness of love And so without any further ado, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 28, in the New Living Translation. We're going to have us some bona fide Bible talk about the Son of God. All right, so bet. Jesus is in Caesarea Philippi now. He gets to filling out the crew. What's the word on the street? What they saying about the relics? Who they think he is? They say. Some of them say he's John the Baptist. Some of them say Elijah. Others talking about Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Jesus said word. But who y'all think I am? Got quiet. Then Simon Peter said. You the chosen one. You God's son. Jesus hit him back. 
I got you, Simon. Jonah, son. Ain't no way you got all that from nobody else. My father in heaven put you on. So this is how this goes. We gonna call you Rocky now. And this the rock we gonna build the movement on. The gates of hell don't stand a chance against the movement. I'm gonna give you the playbook on the reign of God. Whatever you shut down on earth gonna be shut down in heaven. Whatever you let ride on earth gonna ride in heaven too. Then Jesus told the crew to keep it on the low. They couldn't tell no one he was the chosen one. Once that happened, Jesus, the chosen one, started putting the crew on game. He told them he had to head to the capital, Jerusalem. Told them it was about to get real sticky for him. With the teachers, the head priests, the folks keeping the scriptures. He even said they would have to kill him. But on the third day, he was coming back. Peter pulled him to the side and told him to stop tripping. Talking about, boss, respectfully, it ain't going down like that. Not on my watch. Jesus made sure he had the whole group's attention before he checked Peter. Get out of my way, Satan. Trying to get me caught up. You ain't seeing things like God do. You stuck on moving like man does. Then Jesus told his crew, Any of y'all trying to head with me, you're going to have to leave your own program behind. Carry the movement and move like I do. Whoever trying to stay about that life, you're going to lose your life. But whoever quit trying to be about that life because of me, you're going to find life. What's the point of being on top of the world if you lose your soul? Tell me what your soul worth. When the realest come with his father's clout and his angels, he's going to pay everyone what they earn by the life they live. Real talk. Some of y'all in the room right now ain't even going to die till they see the realest come in the rain. The four Gospels we got, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they don't all tell the same stories the same ways. As a matter of fact, John often has his own program, and for that reason is kind of classified on its own, whereas Matthew, Mark, and Luke are often referred to collectively as the synoptic Gospels. But even they don't tell all the same stories in all the same ways. Now bring that up because this is one of those instances where they pretty much tell these same two stories in the same order across all three of these Gospels. Peter's revelation about Jesus as the Son of God, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Chosen One, quickly followed by Jesus predicting his own death and then rebuking Peter for trying to stop him. That story is told the same way across the three synoptic gospels. Peter's revelation and Peter's rebuking. It's told here in Matthew 16. It's told again in Mark chapter 8 and then again in Luke chapter 9. Got the same pattern each and every time. That Peter recognizes Jesus as the Messiah and is commended for doing so. And then Jesus goes on to predict and detail his certain death. Right before Peter, the same guy who just recognized Jesus as the Messiah, as the chosen one, and is commended for doing so, says, heck no, you ain't about to die, Jesus. What are you talking about? We just said that you was the anointed one. Like, you know how I roll. I ain't about to let that happen on my watch. 
Peter says all of that. I understand where Peter's coming from. And then Jesus says the famous words, get behind me, Satan. Tells Peter, you're reading this situation wrong. This is the way it has to happen. And in all honesty, this is one of them situations where I feel for Peter. I live in South Florida. Florida's one of them states where everybody is packing. And I can understand somebody predicting that they was about to end up in a situation where they might die and you being like, not today. If somebody dying, it ain't going to be nobody over here. I know that's right. And that's where Peter's coming from because he just came by this great revelation that Jesus was his Messiah, the anointed one, the one that he had been waiting for, only for the very one that he had just recognized as the chosen one to say that he was about to die. What are we supposed to do with a dead savior? Can you imagine being caught in the gravest situation of your entire life? Needing rescue desperately. Seeing your rescue arrive. Only to perish right beside you. That's what Jesus just told him was about to happen. And Peter, understandably if you ask me, says absolutely not. Not on my watch. I'm not going to let that happen. And Jesus says, you need to get up out my way. Get behind me, Satan. Ain't that crazy? Peter just committed to saving Jesus' life. And Jesus said, that's not how this one goes. You see, I think the salvation Peter was leaning on is kind of like the liberation a lot of us are looking for. Some of us have been so battered by the lives that we live that we can't even imagine a salvation, a liberation, a deliverance apart from being able to enjoy all of the privileges of the same people who got us battered in the first place. I'd imagine freedom, salvation, safety, wholeness to Peter looks sort of like enjoying the same type of freedom the Romans got to enjoy. But Jesus says that you're only seeing things from a human point of view and not from God's. Jesus basically says that what you're expecting out of salvation, what you're expecting out of deliverance, what you were expecting in liberation is misplaced. We do not achieve wholeness by taking place of the mighty. Jesus goes on to say that if we continue down this path, if this is what we pursue, then we will lose our lives. And only by losing this way of thinking, this way of being, this way of moving through the world, can we ever experience the life that I have in store for you. It's almost as though Jesus is saying that the salvation I have for you requires you changing the way you view the world in a fundamental way. The things that you value now will not sustain you where I'm trying to take you. But you will need to understand new values, that you will need to have new standards and new expectations where we are going. And if you do not do that, you will never experience the kingdom of God, the reign of God. That to follow me is to leave this way of thinking behind. In that very moment, Jesus resets their expectations for what a savior is. He says to Peter and the disciples that the chosen one, the Messiah, the anointed one, did not come to dominate, but to fight for the people who need fighting for even to the point of death. 
It's interesting though that Jesus doesn't just predict his death in this instance, he also says that he's coming back in three days. Jesus says that death is not the end, but because all we know is what we see, I think Peter missed that the first time around. I don't think some of this stuff gained any level of clarity until it was in hindsight. So sometimes it's the expectations of what we have of life and death that keep us shackled to old ways of thinking and resetting our expectations is a prerequisite to experience in the fullness of life. And so my hope is that we might enter a season where we are no longer bound by old expectations and can try to see things from the viewpoint of the creator of heaven and earth. Let me pray with you. Almighty God, thank you for giving us permission to leave it all behind. Thank you for inviting us to expect new things to walk in new ways. Help us to do just that. In the name of the chosen one, we pray. Amen. Translation is a production of Three Black Men, the podcast about theology, culture, and the world around us. You can follow us on Twitter at Three Black Men. That's the number three, not spelled out, black men. You can find me on all social media platforms at Pastor Trey 05. That's Pastor Trey 05. Don't send me no Facebook requests, though. I don't be over there. That's the bad place. This work has been made possible by a community of folks who've chosen to show their support through generosity. You can join us at patreon.com slash three black men. Spell three out that time, though. Patreon.com slash three black men. There you can find even more original content from Sam, Rob, and yours truly. Make sure you subscribe to, rate, and review the New Living Translation and Three Black Men wherever you get your podcast. And remember, real recognize real. Don't get caught looking unfamiliar.